Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Retro. When I was a kid, I played a lot of Atari. There were a lot of great games. But I found that there was a quality concentration in one company, and that was Activision. To me, Activision made the Cadillac of Atari 2600 games. To this day, they're still really enjoyable. My favorite had to be Pitfall. I would play Pitfall all day, all night. It's probably because I was really into Indiana Jones, and I really enjoyed adventure movies from the 30s and 40s. It just really appealed to me. I got pretty good at Pitfall. I was good enough that I could get into the Pitfall Harry Explorers Club. What is Pitfall Harry's Explorer Club? Well, if you didn't get to play Activision back in the day, you didn't know that there were these all-star patches. All you had to do was get a certain score in a game, in Pitfall it was 20,000 points, take a picture of your television set, and send it away to Activision. They would send a patch to you with your achievement. I knew about that from day one and wanted that patch. I was going to sew it on my denim jacket. I had a friend across the street. She played Atari like crazy. She was also really methodical in getting her patches. She was way ahead of me. I had none. She had like six. If I was going to show my face at the corner, I needed to get this Pitfall Harry patch. The thing is that we didn't just have a camera lying around. We weren't a family that took a lot of photos unless it was a holiday. So I asked my family if they could save a picture at the end of the roll so that I could take a picture of the game at the end of the holiday before they get it developed. The next holiday would be Easter. I played the game, got the points, took a photo, and then I waited. When I got it back, the photo was horrible. Couldn't even see the screen. I was distraught. I thought, they're never going to accept this. I later found out that Activision was fairly lenient with sending these patches out. If I had known that, I wouldn't have gone through the trouble of getting my own roll of film. And I saved up my money, bought a roll of 110 film. I think it was 12 exposures, the smallest roll I could get. I played through again, got the score, and then I just started snapping away photos. I took three at first, and then I thought I would take pictures of stuff around the house, and then I thought, well, what if that one doesn't come out? It didn't even occur to me to try to play the other Activision games I had in my collection. I took the whole roll of the same exact thing over and over and over again. Then I had to save up money to go get it developed. Of course, we didn't have 24-hour photo developing, so I had to wait four days. Finally, my pictures were ready. My sister was going into town and offered to pick them up for me. I gave her the money, and she came back with an envelope of photos. I opened it up, and all of them were horrible. You couldn't see anything. The whole photo was white. Then my sister shared a little wisdom with me. She said, Hey, genius, did you take all the photos with the flash on? Every one of them? Ugh. If you have siblings, I know that something like this must have happened to you, and it probably still haunts you to this day. I can still hear my sister's voice whenever I pick up a camera, and it compels me to turn off the flash whenever the settings are right. So I guess I could thank her, but still, 12 pictures with a flash? Okay, so my sister was smarter than me. I never got the Pitfall Harry patch up. The embarrassment over the flash camera incident was so traumatic that I just said to myself, I'm never going to have those patches. And to this day, I still don't. It's always been a sore spot for me. And many times I've seen a patch online that I thought about ordering, or spotted one at a flea market, and I would take the money out and then say, no, you didn't earn it properly back then. It doesn't have the same meaning. So I let those people keep them. 
I just continue to play Pitfall knowing that I'm not part of any exclusive club. I'm just some schmo who doesn't know how to use a camera wandering through the jungle, picking up bars of silver, and getting stung by scorpions. On today's show, we're going to talk about Pitfall, the original game for the Atari 2600. We're going to talk about its creator. We're going to talk about the gameplay, the release, how successful it was. We'll talk about some of the sequels and what platforms it's been ported to. And finally, we'll discuss its jump from video games to other elements of pop culture. Pitfall is a great game, so we got a lot of information to cover. So without further ado, let's start the show. many games for the Atari 2600. Pitfall was the brainchild of one man, and that man was the programmer and game designer David Crane. Crane was born in Napanee, Indiana, and was working as a programmer at Atari, making games for the 2600. Then he went out to play a game of tennis that would change his life. That game was with a co-worker named Alan Miller. Miller discussed with him a plan he had to leave Atari and to create a company that would give game designers more recognition. It would be a pure game company. After having this meeting, he decided to leave Atari, and in 1979, he co-founded Activision along with Miller, Jim Levy, Bob Whitehead, and Larry Kaplan. While at Activision, he created some amazing games, but he also became a voice of reason, and people should have listened to him. Back in the day, Crane said that the Atari policy of relying on adaptations of pre-existing arcade games that basically were poor shadows of the original game, would only result in a glut of unappealing games. He said that instead, they should try to look at the strengths of the system and develop games that played to the strengths and weaknesses. He thought that if a game is good, through advertising and word of mouth, it would spread just like a game in an arcade. This was sound reasoning. Sadly, nobody listened to him, and in 1983, a glut of poor video games that had been pushed on the public Adaptations of games like Pac-Man and Donkey Kong that were lackluster at best spelled the end of the first age of video games. Crane would stay at Activision till 1986, and then he would go on to co-found Absolute Entertainment with Gary Kitchen. Why did he leave? Well, he didn't like the way the new CEO of Activision, Bruce Davis, was commodifying the video games rather than treating them as a creative product. Even though Crane went to work for Absolute, he mostly worked out of his home, Probably the title that is best known for, while at Absolute, was a game for the NES called A Boy and His Blob. It's a great game. And a remake of it will soon be on the Nintendo Wii. From a distant world, the threat of an evil emperor has driven a hero to Earth. 
He seeks only two things, a worthy ally to join him in his quest, and jelly beans. A boy and his blob. Feed the blob jelly beans to transform him into 15 amazing objects. Join forces to solve puzzles and defeat the Emperor's troops. With the help of a magical visitor, an ordinary boy can do the extraordinary. Let's go! Travel from Earth to Blablona through 40 breathtaking levels. Find hidden treasure to open 40 additional challenge levels. And save Blablonia from evil. The heartwarming story of two unlikely heroes who discover a friendship that spans the universe. A boy and his blob. So how did this game designer and programmer come up with the idea for Pitfall? It happened when he was at Atari. He had developed a simple technology to display a realistic little man running that looked convincing. We would laugh at that, but back in 79, that was a huge advance. So he had kept it in mind, and he was looking for a game to put this little man into. Then in 1982, while working for Activision, he had a brainstorm. And in his own words, he says, I sat down with a blank sheet of paper and drew a stick figure in the center. I said, okay, I have a little running man, and let's put him on a path. Two more lines drawn on the paper. Where is the path? Let's put it in the jungle. Draws some trees. Why is he running? Draw treasure to collect. Enemies to avoid. Pitfall was born. The entire process took about ten minutes. Then, after about a thousand hours of programming, the game was complete. For those who haven't played Pitfall, it stars a character who's aptly named Pitfall Harry, who you need to guide through a maze-like jungle in an attempt to recover 32 treasures in under 20 minutes. During this 20 minutes, Harry has to tackle dense forests with rolling logs, snakes, bats, insects, alligators, tar pits, quicksand, you name it. Harry can jump over or otherwise avoid these obstacles by timing his climbing, running, and in certain places, by swinging on a vine. Sounds pretty awesome, right? Everybody else thought so too. Before the release of Pitfall, Activision released a description, and I remember seeing this in their catalog and thinking, I need this game. It's a little image of Pitfall Harry swinging across a crocodile-infested pool toward a gold bar, and you can see the scorpion and a snake and a ladder, and it says, Designed by David Crane, Seek out the lost treasure of an ancient civilization, hidden deep within the forbidding jungle. Swing through trees, jump over bottomless pits, and journey through underground passageways, avoiding the perils of the jungle. Crocodiles and cobras, scorpions and quicksand, all to find the gold in Pitfall by Activision. I wanted that game so badly, and I got it. Almost as soon as it came out, Pitfall was a big enough hit that right away it appeared on the How to Beat Video Game series, which if you haven't seen it on the site, it was a great video series that detailed how to beat video games. Pitfall is a graphically stunning game that is taking the VCS jungle by storm. 
The game is comprised of 255 different jungle scenes laid out horizontally. The player can run either to the right or to the left. Running this way, Harry will encounter more treasures early in the game than by running left. However, if you have trouble, remember you can go the other way too. The beauty of running left is that you move with the grain of the rolling logs, not against it. What's more, if you happen to die trying to cross an obstacle, your next life will begin on the other side of it. By traveling down the ladder 13 scenes to the right of where you start, take a shortcut to a ladder leading up to scene 19. Passing five above-ground scenes, one of which contained crocodiles, your worst enemy. But you can find an even better shortcut than this if you take the ladder down in scene 15, jumping five scorpions on your route. Notice that scorpions are wide enough to require exact timing on the jumps. Otherwise, they are an easy enemy. The ladder leading up will go to scene 33, having skipped four crocodile scenes and one gold bar. You might think skipping the gold bar is a bad idea, but between scenes 41 and 57, you'll encounter six different treasures, which makes skipping the gold bar a good strategy. You should learn how to get by your worst enemy, the crocodiles. Run Harry to the edge of their lake and wait for their mouths to begin closing. Then jump on the first one and position Harry behind his jaws. Wait for the mouths to snap shut once more, then leap to the second crocodile. Repeat this procedure to the third, but jump off immediately. The game came out in September of 1982, and via David Crane's predicted word of mouth, went on to be a mega hit. It would sell over 4 million copies on the Atari 2600, and it deserved each and every one of those dollars. It was a great game with massive amount of replayability. If you figure that games cost about $35, let's round down for depreciation to say $30. If you adjust for inflation, Pitfall today would have pulled in $284 million. Not bad for a thousand-hour investment. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, all Activision games came with the promise of a patch if you did real well. I'll post an image of the Activision Explorers Club patch featuring Pitfall Harry on the site, but if you've never seen it, it's visually great. It's an upside-down triangle. Pitfall Harry is swinging out toward the middle of the patch. He's got rainbows streaming behind him. There's the words Activision Explorers Club, a big pile of treasure, and a compass at the bottom of the triangle. What a great image. Saturday's Supercade will return after these messages. This is... This is Pitfall, the smash hit... The smash hit video game by Activision that everybody wants for the Atari video computer system. With scorpions, tar pits, and rolling logs. With... Uh -uh. With underground passages and cobra rattlers. With... Uh, with swamps, hungry crocodiles, and lots more. Don't miss Pitfall, the smash hit that everybody wants. Get it before they're... All gone. Pitfall, designed by David Crane. Don't miss it. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. I got a million toys and toys that I can play with. Bet you don't know what I want, Jeffrey. You want Atari's 2600 video game system, only 4884 at Toys R Us. Yeah. Only $29.97 for Activision's Pitfall 2 cartridge. Only $29.97 for the Decathlon cartridge. And just $29.97 for the Space Shuttle cartridge. More games, more toys. Oh, boy! I want to be a Toys R Us kid. And now, back to Saturday's Supercade. 
like many games that have success, soon to follow will be ripoffs. A company called Microdeal developed a game which appeared on the Commodore 64 called Cuthbert in the Jungle. If you look at Cuthbert in the Jungle, it's amazing what people were able to get away with early on. The game was a blatant ripoff of Pitfall. It almost looks exactly like Pitfall, except for differences in the graphical colors. If you want to check out Cuthbert, you can try to get the original game for your Commodore 64, or check out a Commodore 64 emulator. There are various copies of the ROM available. Pitfall was a big enough success that it would be ported to other platforms. After the Atari 2600, it would also appear on ColecoVision and the Intellivision, and it didn't stop at consoles, it made it to computer systems. Pitfall was available on the Commodore 64, the Atari 800, and the TRS-80 color computer. In video games, with success, come sequels, and Pitfall would have multiple sequels. First of all, it would have an amazing sequel made for the Atari 2600. Sadly, it wasn't a great seller because it's just an amazing game. Pitfall 2 The Lost Caverns. It was one of the largest games ever made for the Atari 2600, and it had technology considered impossible on the hardware that was already six years old at the time. It had smooth scrolling, detailed animation, and a musical score that included multiple channels. And this was all made possible by custom hardware built inside the game cartridge. Crane would design and patent a component he called the DPC, or Display Processor Chip. This could greatly enhance the 2600's graphic capabilities and could process music in three channels plus drums. Crane hoped that the DPC would be used by other game designers to further extend the life of the 2600. But, as I said, nobody listened to his warnings about bad games, and in 1983, the video game crash killed his hopes altogether. The Atari 2600 came and went. It will always be mourned. But Activision kept the license to Pitfall. And the first licensee was Sega, which made an arcade version of Pitfall 2, The Lost Caverns. This game is quite rare, so if you see it in the arcade, give it a shot. The game is slightly different than Pitfall 2, Lost Caverns. It features a first level resembling the original Pitfall, a second level resembling the caverns of Pitfall 2, and later levels that are completely original. If you can't find one at your local arcade, or can't find a local arcade, you could play this version as well on the SG-1000. In 1987, Pitfall would appear on the NES as Super Pitfall. This would receive poor reviews and poor sales to match. Then a sequel came out that actually was quite popular and had pretty good reviews. Pitfall the Mayan Adventure, which made its debut on the Super NES and Genesis Mega Drive systems in 1994. That game would also be ported to Windows 95 and the Atari Jaguar the following year. Its most recent release was in 2001 on the Game Boy Advance. One of the cool things about the Mayan Adventure was that it had the original Pitfall available to play on it. In 1998, Pitfall 3D Beyond the Jungle for Sony PlayStation came out. I never thought of this as a great game, but it did have a really cool feature. Bruce Campbell as the voice of Pitfall Harry. In 2004, another sequel came out, this time for the PlayStation 2, Nintendo GameCube, and Xbox. It was titled Pitfall The Lost Expedition. I went out and bought it for my Xbox. Kind of cartoony, but still kind of playable, and has some nice little tributes to the original Pitfall in it. And as a bonus, if you pick it up, it has the first two original games playable in-game. If you happen to own a Wii, you can try this game out for yourself. It was ported to the Wii in a game titled Pitfall the Big Adventure. Pitfall's maybe not as popular as Pac-Man or Donkey Kong, 
but in the 80s, it was all the rage. And in 1983, Pitfall would make its animated television debut as a segment on CBS's Saturday Supercade. The name of the cartoon was Pitfall Harry, and I talked about this in an earlier podcast about the Saturday Supercade. But the basic plot line involves Harry, his niece Rhonda, and his cowardly mountain lion Quickclaw exploring various lands for hidden treasures. Regrettably, after just one season, Pitfall Harry was replaced by Kangaroo. I blame this on America's early 80s fascination with Australia. Damn you, Crocodile Dundee. If you would like to watch Pitfall Harry, you'll have to try YouTube or other sources. The series has still not been released on DVD. One of the great side effects of the Pitfall Harry cartoon was a board game by Milton Bradley called Pitfall, which has great graphics on the front of a cartoony Pitfall Harry swinging across a crocodile-infested river right into the mouth of a cobra. He might not be as widespread as he should be, but Pitfall Harry continues to appear in pop culture today. A couple of years ago, there was an episode of South Park in which Father Maxey had to traverse a series of levels with him as the main character to retrieve lost scrolls hidden in the catacombs of the Vatican and had a very Pitfall-y feel to it. In 2006, the original Pitfall resurfaced in a minigame in Marvel's Ultimate Alliance, and it's really fun to play, although it's not fully the original. You just kind of move horizontally through it. But it's kind of interesting to see Pitfall played with different characters like Luke Cage or Captain America. Pitfall has stayed in our consciousness for a quarter century. And I don't think we've seen the last of Pitfall. We'll see mini-games. We'll see sequels. Pitfall is one of those games that could have been. It was well done. It had a compelling character. It had an amazing sequel. The game just came out at an unusual time for video games. The crash destroyed a lot of people's faith in Atari. And a lot of the games that were made on it were just pushed to the side, and when the NES came out, a lot of those games were just completely forgotten. But had the game come out on the NES with slightly enhanced graphics instead of on the Atari, we might today be playing Super Pitfall, or Pitfall Harry Tennis, or Pitfall Smash Brothers Supreme. Who knows? I can dream, of course, but it doesn't matter. Pitfall was a great game. It was one of my favorite games as a kid, and I still play it whenever I pull out the old Atari. It was an amazing technological advance. It was a well-designed game and it deserves to be remembered as such. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist and twitter.com slash retroist. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.